You are listening to the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast. And we're having conversations with dope dads covering the four pillars of fatherhood. We call it the Fit Fatherhood Formula. Faith, family, finance, and fitness. That's right. These dads are setting the pace in business and fatherhood. This show isn't only about the outside success. We're getting down to who you are. Gentlemen, it's time to get fit. And and, 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 and now, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. My headline is uh <laughs> headline in the day. There you go. All right. Welcome back to the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast, a podcast for fathers by fathers, where we talk about the four pillars of fatherhood, uh, which are faith, family, finance, and fitness. And uh, I'm excited. I always say that, right? I'm always excited when I have a guest on. But this one in particular, man, because this this has been been a year in the works, uh, almost almost exactly. Um, and I, I had the privilege of being on, on this gentleman's podcast uh, early in his podcasting game and, and early in mine, too. Um, and I'm really excited to see all the growth that he's had over over this time. And uh, he's continuing to push me, actually. So I, uh, I'm super appreciative of, of what he's doing. And uh, I'm excited to have it. Derek, Derek Johns, the Dear Son Podcast. What's going on, brother? Everything is well, my brother. I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, like I said, man, I've been I've this is I don't know why I haven't asked you sooner, to be honest. Like I should have I should have been hit you up <laughs> two or three times since then. <laughs> but you know what? I was just I was just following the path, right? Just kind of picking people off as we go. Um and and I'm excited, man, because like I said, I, I appreciate your platform. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I don't know if you know how insightful your, your posts, uh, how, how like deep and, and meaningful your podcast episodes have been, but I'm all about giving people their flowers when they deserve them, man. And you've been doing a great job. I appreciate that, man. I try not to, uh, read the, read the news press where they say your, your press articles, I not to read those, but I, I do get feedback that it's, it is helpful and that's the intent to be helpful. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And and I like some of the collaboration collaboration stuff you're doing too. Like some of the other podcasts that you've been on and some of the things that you've uh uh taken your message to has has been good as well, man. So like you're doing great things, bro. Likewise, man. Let me insert flowers for you as well, man. We we push each other. I think that's the fairest way to put it, man. I, I this brother came from California to Texas to jump on my podcast before we met face to face. And he added so much value and I know you're waiting for those edits and that's going to be out, but it's coming, but I just, I appreciate what you're doing, man. Salute to you. Uh, congratulations on your growth. I see you've uh, exponentially grown over the last several weeks, man. So I'm, I'm inspired as well, bro. Yeah, man. I, I, you know what, like when, the, when the message resonates with you, right. When, when it, when it's important to you, when it's something that you believe in and something that you support, I think you go and show support like you, you, you have to, right? Because if you want those type of things to continue to grow, to continue to infect and, and affect the community, then you have to, you have to go out and push. Right. And I feel yeah. like if I can come from the West coast and go out there and, and, and help push, push the envelope a little bit further and, and selfishly soak up some game from the guys that were there and bring that back and add it to my own fatherhood tool belt. Right. Then, then it's all worth it. Um, yeah. And so I, I appreciate you for having having that. But before I, I keep lauding appreciation on you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, bro? So, uh, Derek, I go by D. Johns. I'm 43 at the time of this recording, originally from Virginia, uh, living in uh, the DFW area of Texas right now. Um, 
what I consider a large family, one wife, one wife, one wife. I got to say that three times, one wife, five kids. Today, they are 19, 17, 15, nine and eight, three girls, two boys, and no shortage of, of, of scenarios and opportunities to grow as a father as I, as I learn each of them. Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, the one wife thing is, is important. Actually, it's funny. I, I, uh, I don't know why like infidelity and marriage and husbandry has been really heavy on my heart the last few days. Maybe it's because Valentine's day is coming up, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I've been trying to kind of put together some stuff specifically for that. Um, and you know, we talk about fatherhood a lot, obviously. Um, but I think that husband, uh, husband, wife, or dad and mom relationship is, is extremely important. Uh, as not only an example for the children, but but for their growth, right? Because we know statistically, uh, you know, those single family homes don't don't do as well as as they could for children. Um, and I think that starts with that that mother father relationship and nurturing that and and putting a, a a certain amount of importance on it and how how we carry ourselves in that relationship uh, re- reflects to how we carry ourselves in our in our children's relationships. Absolutely, man. It's uh, they they are so connected, and the one thing I've learned, and my wife and I are learning together, and um, we kind of entered a new phase of openness and honesty over the last couple of couple of years. No, you know, COVID to blame. Um, mm-hmm. that as we grow, we are, we have to make sure that we're tapped in with each other to understand what's still important for, between us and what's changing for us as parents, because even, I mean, just coming from different backgrounds has its own challenges, but you know, who we were with child one and child five are different people. And if we don't reconcile those things, uh, there's a lot of assumptions that could lead to some, uh, you know, some negative outcomes. So uh, I fully get it. Um, I'm learning every day how to husband, how to dad. And I think as long as I keep an open mind of learning, I, I think, I think I'll keep plucking along pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, take, take us, take us back to that, that early part that, that first, you know, D Johns finds out that he's going to be a dad, um, you know, for the first time, what was, what was that experience like? Where, where was, where was your thought process? Uh, where, where were you at? So here's the interesting thing. I got, I have two first. So we, we were an immediate blended family. Um, my wife had a young daughter and I was the, the primary father figure that she knew um, from early on, her father was still available to be in her life. And I don't, I don't speak much on that story because that's her story to tell. She's an adult now. Uh, but it, it gave me, it gave me instant fatherhood, which, uh, there are pros and cons to it. Right. Because looking back on it, there was some opportunities that my wife and I missed to learn each other with, with just us. Mm. The, the pros is that, you know, we got parenting out early, <laughs> you know, so now we're kind of on the, on the backside of it, we do have young kids now, but we have three older kids, you know, and they're mature enough to help and allow us some time and space uh, to get back to, to, to us and, and understanding each other. But um, my wife and I definitely had history before we got married. So we were together, broke up. She came back into the picture with child. Right. And I had full opportunity to evaluate, you know, is this the life that I want to live? It was, it was definitely a package deal and I wouldn't see it any other way. And I loved her and believed in us enough to where that was important for me to actually accept the child 
and be in that role. So it, it helped the fact that we had history. Our families knew each other. Uh, we high school. We went to the same high school, not necessarily high school sweet, sweethearts. We flirted a little bit, but got together. Uh, she was two years behind me. We got together after she graduated. Um, and then she went into the military and then life. Right. And then it was the distance was a strain and uh, we weren't collectively mature enough to, to make it work. So that was the gap and came back with the, with the child. And one, one thing that I'm grateful for is that I always had a great example of what a father should be. My dad, I was missing context of why he parented the way that he did, but uh, I would much rather have the example in home and accessible than uh, to be challenged with not having it or the context. So my, my initial approach to parenthood and I, and I say this often was it was, it was mechanical. Like I was, I was cool. Even being a husband, I understood the duty, the duties and I would do the duties, but I wasn't really making good on the relationship. I thought mm -hmm. if I did what I saw my father do, we would have the outcome. Right. And I, I can't remember exactly how many years my parents had been married at that time, but you know, they're, they're their only marriage today. I think they've been married. Uh, actually this would be year 50. Wow. wow. <laughs> this this would be year 50 in, um, in May for them. So I, you know, I always had, like I said, I had the roadmap. I had good, uh, good examples, but because my family wasn't very, um, expressive with love and, and deep conversations, I was a little bit colder than my wife was used to. It's mm -hmm. not that I, that her family loved each other more. They, expressed it differently. So it's always conversations. There's a lot of energy. The volume is up. Everybody's happy. And, 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 and that's kind of the environment. And that was kind of, kind of weird to me. And it didn't, um, I didn't really adapt to that very quickly. So I, I just focused on doing what I knew to do. And I thought that would be enough within two years. Our first, uh, first three kids, as I, as I referenced in the ages are, are roughly two years apart. So it was instant family, uh, within actually the year that we got married later that year, child number two was born. And I say, I have two first because that's technically the first time Your that first. I produced. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the good thing about that is I had a little training <laughs> of, of what, of how it works to a degree, at least with that child. And, um, what I didn't have was the maturity to understand the toll it takes on women. I was still looking at things like the activities that I saw. If I did three things and I saw her do three things, we were equal, but I wasn't up all night. I'm not feeding. I'm not, I'm not the caregiver. I was still looking at it at a very, like I said, very engineer perspective, mechanical perspective, male logic, whatever, however you want to frame it, it's wrong, but that's, that's kind of how I approached it. And then we kept stacking on children. So number three came right after that. So we have this young family with three kids under four or five, four technically when my, my first son was born, but my, my, the oldest daughter turned five very soon after, and it, it became all family and my wife and I lost each other. Like she was working, I was working. Um, I, I didn't understand the toll it was taken on. I didn't understand postpartum. I, I, my wife is such a trooper that I just assumed all was well and these things are happening and it's compounding year over year. And then I up and go to, Af I up and go to Iraq for a year. 
because I thought that was the best way to earn some money for the family. You know, we got into a tight spot financially through faults of my own. And now I'm leaving her with three young children. Um, and then every time I think about it, I almost want to throw up, but it, it, it was, it was what I did right, wrong, or indifferent. And that caused even more strain. So we have this dynamic of good at producing kids, good at taking care of kids, not great at family relationships and making sure that we all were serving each other in the way that we needed to be a strong family. Um, did Iraq for a year? I think that was the most critical year for me because being in a war zone, you kind of have to put your mind at, in a place where nothing else matters except what's in front of you. Cause you'll go crazy. Like it's, it's not like you can pick up the phone at any time and call home or check in or get whatever kind of reassurance that you need in real time. You know, you're dealing with bunker calls and all these other things and you, you hear the explosions in, in the distance and it wasn't, it wasn't as hot in 2008 as it was in 03 or 04, but it was still your freedom, freedom, freedom was a relative concept, right? got dropped off in another country, living on the military base, and you kind of stuck to a degree. So over that year, it kind of built up a wall between me and my family, not because I didn't like them, but because I was trying not to break down and go crazy while I'm, you know, several thousand miles away, not knowing if or when I would go home. And that kind of set the stage for the next few years. And from there, man, I just, I put all of my energy into corporate because I came back and I, I, you know, I got a decent job and I was able to accelerate pretty quickly, climb the ladder. And that's what I call success. So that's what I, that's what I focused on, man. I, I know I kind of pulled that story, <laughs> pulled that thread for a few minutes, but now I, I'll pause to, to kind of let that soak in. No, man, I, I appreciate you like, opening up and, and sharing that, but well, there's a couple of things that, that I, I got from that. And I kind of go back to the beginning of it. You talked about you had a great example, um, and it, it and and that and that part of of your description it, it reminded me of um, my daughter had a a math test the other day, um, and she got most of them right, but there was one that she didn't get right because she didn't show her work, right? Like she just had the answer, right? So when you said it was like mechanical and you had kind of seen what to do, but nobody ever showed you the work that mm. goes behind that, right? Like nobody explained that this is why we're doing this. And this is how we come to this conclusion. This is why right. we show up this way. You just know to show up this way. Right? right. And I think that happens for a lot of us because men typically don't share the intricate details. We're like, we're checklists. Let's just check it off. If we do this, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And who cares how it gets done? As long as it gets done. Right. Right. I, I, I don't care what it is that you have to do to do it, but get it done. Right. And I think that that, you know, we are a different generation where we're kind of more open to sharing and more open to communicating uh, the process and what we're going through, uh, the emotions that are behind having to get up and provide for your family. Right. Not that it's wrong that you have to do it or, or you know, that you should shy away from it, but this is how you're going to feel. And sometimes it's not going to measure up. Right. Um, but this is what you have to do in order to, yep. to be the man that you want to be. Right. Um, and so that, that was one thing that I wanted to go back to. And then, then the second thing was, um, so did you, when you had your, your second, when you, mm -hmm. your first, but your second, right. <laughs> um, 
how old for let me back up how old was your first when you came back into the picture uh six months okay so she was pretty young all right very young okay okay all right because i was going to say like you know even though you had already had experience depending on the age of that experience where you came in at there's still that kind of i don't know what the heck to do i mean even even the pregnancy part and that that you know postpartum or right after right after having the kid there's that part that you didn't get to experience you definitely got to be a part of diaper changes and learning to walk and talk and all those things but there's there's a period of time from inception until like three months where everybody's in the in the dark right everybody's trying to figure out what the heck is going on um and i think i think especially men feel very vulnerable in that in that position right because if we we consider ourselves a leader and we are trying to lead our family or trying to, you know, be the head of the household or, you know, the, the head and not the tail, but we don't know where we are going and we don't know how to guide. Um, it, guys get really, really, really like confused during that time. Right. And yeah. I, it's something that I don't think enough people talk about is, is that postpartum goes both ways. Um, you know, men and women, uh, experience it because there is, I mean, literally there is a, a cataclysmic event that happens in everybody's life. Um, and, and if you aren't prepared to adjust to it, uh, or you don't even know what to expect, right. Yeah. Like the, what to expect when expecting books, don't tell you what to expect. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't like, I don't, I just never felt like I read them. I just never felt like they gave me the game that I was looking for and never really right. helped me in the ways that I thought I needed help. Like, okay, she, she's a little moody. Okay. I do that. I'm here. She's moody right now. Like I, you don't have to tell me that, (laughs) but, but there was things that I needed to know about myself and how I was going to feel and how, how, you know, how seeing her going through this struggle was going to make me feel less sufficient as a leader, as a man, you know? Um, and so my question was going to be, how was, how was that, different in those two scenarios, but you came in pretty young. Um, did you experience any of that though? Yeah. Well, there, there's a wrinkle that I omitted, um, between the instant family and the successful birth of child number two, my first, my first donation <laughs> or, or, um, co-creation of a child, we lost one. So that was a miscarriage that, um, that gave me perspective of it's not promised. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm trying to, I I tried to take the positive away from it. Uh, it was, it was relatively early on, not that, you know, it matters when it happens, it happened. Um, so that, that, that kind of matured our relationship and, and kind of forced us together, um, a little bit more as well, because anytime you have those traumatic experiences with somebody, kind of goes one of two ways, right? It's an instant bond or you, you kind of go your separate ways. I don't know anybody that's really neutral once they've had a traumatic experience with, with somebody else. So mm-hmm. I was very appreciative. Number one, that it went full term. Um, and for me, I come from a two child household. I have an older sister, five years older. I'm the youngest. So two children, if, if, if number two was a boy for me, that was it. Right. That's kind of, without what I knew. Mm-hmm. And, um, so seeing, seeing the pregnancy up until termination of the first one, and then seeing pregnancy all the way through, like I said, I had a different perspective of how precious, how unpromised, how, uh, how quickly things could change on a dime. 
uh, in that, in that birthing, in the, in the childbearing process. So I had that perspective seeing a child born. Um, I don't know any man that can unsee that. I don't know anybody that can unsee that, but seeing, seeing the child born, I don't know how to explain it. I'm sure you've, I mean, clearly you've experienced it and others that, that have kind of know what I'm talking about, but it was just a different respect for, for women. Not that I was disrespectful. I understood that women birthed children. <laughs> I understand that I was birthed by women, but when you see somebody agree to go through that level of stress on their body for you, not that it's not for them, but you know, it's, it's the child is being brought into the world for the mother and the father. That's a different, it just changes you. Um, yeah. so I, I, I had a different reverence for, for women and the process, specifically my wife, um, where I blame my wife is she didn't show, she didn't show me the pain. <laughs> and that's, I know that sounds silly. I mean, the, I think we got to the hospital and within three hours, every child was born. Like, so this oh, was wow. a pattern. Her first child was a 36 hour labor. I wasn't there for that. So I didn't have that perspective, but when it came to two through five, everything was really like, she just knew it's time to go to the hospital, get checked in, walk a couple laps, child is born. So even though I understood how stressful it was, I didn't have an appreciation for what she went through because I didn't see it. So mm -hmm. after the child was born and we came home, it's like, okay, you kind of back to normal. There's never a return to normal. There's a new norm. And then everything after that creates a new norm. And I didn't, I didn't understand that. So I was the, I was the, the jerk, not in terms of how I treated her, but not in terms of me not being considerate mm -hmm. because it wasn't, it wasn't natural to me. Like it, it was again, role-based you're a caretaker. I assume you got that. I'll handle these other things. And I kind of, I didn't really offer up a lot of help to, to relieve her of the burdens of now having two kids. I just thought, you know, okay, now my stress was, I got to go to make sure we get the money. You know, if it, th that was really my, my focus, it was, was really provision. So, um, I think that was an answer somewhere in there, but that, that experience <laughs> with number two slash number one, it, it changed me a lot, but it, uh, again, I was, I was devoid of the soft skills that, that were necessary. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I think that, that a lot of guys feel that way in terms of, you know, you had the baby that's over. Now we get back to normal. Right. And, you know, I, well, I know you got to take care of the baby. So I'm going to take care of these things. Um, you got that right. All right, cool. And then you keep moving. And it's, it's something that, uh, that my wife said to me a few years ago, um, uh, with work, I was, we were, you know, I quit my job, <laughs> but I was working at a, I was working at a, uh, 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 I was working at a gym company here in Southern California. I was managing five gyms, opening up to six, uh, and working in like 12, 14 hour days. Right. Cause I got to manage all these people, all these places, all these locations. And uh, I went to the owner. I'm like, hey, man, we got to set aside some money to get an assistant. Like, I need somebody else. Like, I can't I can't go to five gyms in one day. Right. If we're going to open up number six, I definitely can't do that. I need somebody, like, regionally to take care of these on this side, and I'm going to take care of these. I'll still oversee them. But 
And uh, he was like, no, like we can't afford to do that. Uh, you know, we're putting money into the sixth building. We got to outfit it. We, we just can't afford to hire somebody else. And I was, you know, understandably upset. So I went to my wife and I told her and she was like, you know, as long as you keep showing people that you could just take care of it, they're going to keep giving it to you. And I was like, <laughs> she's like, you show them you're strong. They're going to test your strength. Yeah. It's like, damn. But I can't I can't now go back and be like, oh, I can't handle You know what I mean? That's just not my style. But uh, but I think that happens a lot is we we want to show people that we are strong and we mm -hmm. want to show people that, you know, we can handle it, especially as as black black people. Right. As black yeah. black, black women specifically. Right. As a strong black woman. I can handle it. Right. And without sharing what you need, then people can't give it to you like they just don't know. Right. It's 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 hard. Uh, especially for men who aren't super in touch with their emotions or right. socially aware of the emotions of other people in the room. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's hard for us to be like, look, I, I'm, I'm going to work, taking out the garbage. I put together that crib. Like you asked me, right. uh, you know what I mean? I changed a couple diapers. I, I got about bounce junior a little bit. Like I'm doing right. my part. Like what you talking about? Right. Uh, it's hard for us to see the other side of it. If it's never like laid out for us. Right. Yeah. And we didn't have and a good. Think, uh, oh, good. No, I'm saying I think I think the communication part of it is is huge, both sides, like both <laughs> ways. Like I, I have to tell my wife all the time, you got to tell me what you need. Like I, I, I'm not a mind reader. Like I'm, I'm intuitive a little bit, and you know I've been around you for almost thirty years, so I can kind of figure out what you want. But I'm, I'm gonna mess it up if you don't tell me. Like, and you, or if you don't tell me, you got to deal with what I give you. So you have a choice uh, of how you want it. <laughs> I was going to make the very same point is that we didn't, our, our, our communication foundation was, was Rocky at best. That actually was Sandy because <laughs> rocks would be fortified, but it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Right. So we, if, if the more, the, the less reps you have with talking through difficult things, when another difficult thing pops up, you don't really have the muscle memory to, to, to deal with it. I feel like I'm just going to deal with it. She feels like she's just going to deal with it. And when you have two strong people that, that don't communicate what they need to each other, at some point it explodes and it's, it's never really great. So, um, we, yeah, she was, because she was military, she had that military mindset, get through it. She was, she was a air force vet. She like, I'm gonna get through it. I got to do this. I can't depend on anybody else. And I had the same kind of approach. So it was right for, um, a collision at, uh, of sorts at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's move along the storyline. So you, you end up going to, to Iraq, right. Mm -hmm. As, as a means to provide. Um, and obviously that, that takes away the, the physical presence of, of mm -hmm. being there. <clears throat> and I know we talk a lot about presence and the importance of presence. What, how, I, I, maybe you weren't even at that point yet maturity wise as a father, but how are you able to, to still be able to like be present in some way, uh, being on the other side of the globe? It w it wasn't good. So my, my children were young. Um, we could communicate at times throughout the day. So mm -hmm. maybe one or two days out of the week, I'd be able to call my wife, uh, in the morning. You know, sometimes we have Skype. Skype wasn't very reliable, uh, in the middle East at that point period. And my wife did a good job. I found out of keeping me front of mind. 
your dad is this. So, I mean, it was kind of to the point where I left and came so much that when they saw an airplane in the sky, they asked if daddy was going to work. And mm-hmm. th- that's kind of, that's kind of a blow, right? Because I didn't know the magnitude of, of what the distance was doing, but I knew I would have to deal with it at some point. And part of me was like, man, they, they're doing fine without me, which is really a sucker move, but you kind of, I almost had, I almost want, I guess I wanted to believe that. So mm-hmm. when I came back home, it was more like, let me not disrupt the system. Mm-hmm. She's been handling all of this time. Let me try to ease back in and figure out where I fit in. And again, our communication had, you know, it was just, it was, uh, it was just dissipating over, over, over time. I'm sure she, I know she was frustrated. I, I, I assumed that in real time, but I didn't really want to check in and hear out, hear her out on frustrations. When I came home, it was about fun day, you know, had a little, a few extra dollars, you know, we're going here, going there, trying to go vacation. We're just playing for two weeks. Then I go right back out, man. And and what, what hurt the most is when I went to Iraq, it was basically a week before my, my son child number three turned one. So when I come back, he doesn't really recognize me or he's not, he's clinging to his mom because that's who's been the presence who's been present the entire time. It would take the full two weeks for him to get used to me. And by the time he's running to me, jumping in my lap and we're playing, I'm back out the door. So I, I can only imagine what kind of trauma that is, even to a child that's one. And this was the first, you know, from one to two, you're walking, you're talking. These are very important things. Whether he remembers it or not, he got used to something that didn't, a system that didn't involve his father to a large degree. So, so when I came back, it was, um, like I said, I felt like I would be better off not disrupting what they got going on. And it even sounds silly saying it out loud. Now, let me just focus on work. Another key part that adds (laughs) a little bit of drama to the story is my wife got out of the military right before I left. So 2007, my son was born. She was getting out in 2007, 2007. I said, Hey, you getting out of the military. I'm an entrepreneur. Now we're both going to be home. No plan, no nothing. That's what led to me going to Iraq because there was no money. I was out here trying to be an entrepreneur because it sounded good at the time. I, I didn't have a, I was, uh, I had very lofty aspirations and, um, I talked the talk, but there was no money coming in. So we got in a real bad pinch and Iraq got us out of that jam. So all of these things are compiling, you know, in terms of my decision-making though, I think I'm doing it for the best. I'm just laying one egg after another that, you know, I really don't know when my wife is still with me. <laughs> quite honestly, at least yeah. up to that point, yeah. but it was, let me see what I can do to be great. And that was work. Like I, like it's like, after I went overseas, the rest of my career in corporate was about international contracts and government contracts. And I just happened to be good at it. So, you know, I, I came back in a few months, I had another job that took me away again. We were living in the, in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. I got a job near DC. Northern Virginia. So once again, 
Monday morning, I'm driving up towards DC going to, it's about three hours away, stay there all week, drive back Friday evening, back to Hampton roads, spend the weekend with the family and I'm back out. So again, this is, (laughs) this is compounded. The interest is compounding at this point, people. And that was the case because I started working the job in October and they were already in school. So we were like, let's number one, let's make sure that this is going to work out the next summer. Everybody moved up there and that was another challenge, you know, because we, until that point, we, or at least they had lived close to both of our families. Um, so we, we left the foundation and I think we needed that because that prepared us ultimately for us going over and having a life overseas. But man, I, I just, if, if there was a way to go back and fix something, it would be using my words, man, just communicating what I'm feeling. Hey, I'm frustrated about this. I don't know how this is going to work. Right. I always saw that as a weakness, but me not being communicative uh, with my wife and uh, ultimately with, with the family period, um, they couldn't read. They didn't know how to help me. So, yeah. you know, so as much as, as, as much as my posts are helpful now, these are things that I'm reliving and wish that I read year eight, year 10, year 14 and, and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. It's something you said there that you kind of touched on a few times. You were talking about they, uh, they're doing okay without me. Um, and I hear, I've heard that from, from guys. I actually heard it from, a uh, somebody that was deployed and, uh, came back home and everybody's surviving, right? Like, you know, you're gone, but your family's still, they're still rolling on. And his was a little bit more, more like they're doing fine without me. So they don't need me. And so he started to distance himself from the family. Right. And it kind of led to eventually they, you know, him and his wife split up mm. um, and then he signed up to get, get sent off again. Right. Cause they don't need me. They're doing okay without me. Um, did you ever feel that like, you know, they, they, they got this so I can go, I can get back out of here and, and go do what I got to do. Yeah. Because all I could justify was the, was the income that that was it. Right. And my wife not working after she got out of the military, she did, so she was a pharmacy tech in the military. She maintained that certification. So she would get jobs at hospitals, making the medicines, making IV bags, making uh, prescriptions. So she did that while we were in Northern Virginia. But ultimately in 2014, after my youngest child, number five was born, she came home from work. And now I'm like, oh, now this really justifies any way that I'm going to go about making money because it's all on me. And that was an mm-hmm. ego thing about it being all on me. And I, I was never one where I don't want my wife to work, you know, stay home and, you know, be barefooted naked. We made the decision together when she got out of the military. And from then I took on a responsibility and kind of with the enhanced ego, inflated ego, the pressure was, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. But she never said that. I never asked for help when things were crashing. Like, Hey, do you think you could pick up some job or how, you know, what do you, number one, here's what's happening. That's the first part. So if if there's any lesson to take away is, Hey, here's what's happening in our household that you're part of, that you're not aware of. And then it's, I think if I did that, I might've been more at ease and, and been able to think clearer about how to earn money, more money or different. Like I was stressed. And, it, and there was no release valve. 
I'm just, it's, it's just compounding, compounding, compounding. You know, we almost lost the house at one point. And the more that I didn't talk to her, I internally was blaming her because that's what put me at ease. That's what gave me some kind of justification, if you will, for my actions. Like this is all on yeah. me. I'm frustrated. Don't you see it? Don't you see what's happening? But I also want to be the guy that has, you know, that has a wife that lives a lifestyle that she wants to live because that, that's, I guess that's like a status thing, right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of, a lot of immaturity. Uh, if, if anybody hadn't picked that up. <laughs> so, so at what point do you, do you make that shift, right? At what point do you, do you realize that maybe that is immaturity and you start to, to kind of change into something different? I think the first step was, or the first demonstration of that was I had an opportunity to take an assignment, um, in Dubai. So the company that I worked for, I was in supply chain. I was a supply chain leader, worked my way through the, through the, uh, up the ladder. And there was an opportunity to manage the Dubai hub. And I knew at that point that I couldn't do it without my family. So that was a deal breaker for me. And honestly, my manager at the time, he was on me. He was like, Hey, the guy that's out there now, either he's going to leave or I'm going to help him leave. I'm going to need a leader. I need you to go out. That's it. My, my wife will never go for us. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> it's like, I've eroded trust. I like, I've, I'm always gone and I don't think she's going to want to go anymore. Like, I think we need to stay put. He was like, after three months of this, he was like, did you ask her? It's like, what you mean? <laughs> I make decisions. I know when she doesn't want to do something. Why would I ask her? I asked my wife and she immediately goes into, okay, how can we do it? I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. You're supposed to say, no, I was supposed to keep this, this, this safe life here and, and kind of manage as a family and get better. But she, you know, I, I started throwing excuses. She found a workaround. I was like, Oh, well, we got to pay for school. She's like, well, homeschool. This is, you know, all of these things. And she figured it out. And ultimately we went and that really not that she wasn't demonstrating it before, but that really showed me, okay, she's really team us. She, yeah. she wants me to be successful so bad that she's willing to go somewhere. We've never been another country in another continent, no access to family and, and figure it out. And maybe because she was in the military that, that helped because, you know, you have to have that spirit of go when you're told to go, but that really was a big shift in me starting to trust her and tell her stuff. Like at least help bring a decision to her to think through versus even with that decision, I was, I was stressing probably for the few months that my boss was asking me just cause I didn't want to have a conversation with my wife because part of me was like, I want to go. I also want her to say no, because if she says no, then I got somebody to blame for me not going. Because that were you, was, a, were you, were you aware of that at the time or is this, is it, are you looking back at it thinking that? No, nah, by that time I, I was aware this was 2015. Yeah. I, I was, I was definitely aware by then 36 ish. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I knew what was going on and I knew my, and again, like I, I, at that point I was starting to manipulate the things that I was aware of. So it's one thing to not be aware and be ignorant. It's another thing to be aware and manipulate situations. Um, and again, I have those, those, those conversations, uh, to, to let her in on the process, but that experience was great because it was just us. Like we really had to be focused on us as a family. 
So I'm, I'm very grateful for that period. Uh, we stayed there for three years. It also gave my children a, like a worldview through their eyes, not through propaganda mm-hmm. and somebody telling them what life is like in other places. And I still see the fruits of that today. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's funny that, that, uh, that it kind of happened that way. It's almost like, uh, like, like dual immersion, you know, you're like trying to learn a, trying to learn a language and they like, just go to the country, right. Just get there. And that's all you have. And you have to depend on being able to speak that language to survive. You guys took your family and just immersed yourselves in the family. Like, this is all we got, right. We don't have, there's no resources and no family. We don't know nobody out there. Like I know a couple people at my job, but I don't really know them like that. Right. Uh, and so we, we are 100% dependent on us. If we're going to make it, we're, we're going to have to make sure that we make it together. And, um, it's funny how situations like that come when you need them. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, if you pass on that opportunity, if she's like, nah, we're not going to Dubai. What happened? You know, who knows what happens to your relationship? Right. If, it, if it's yeah. already dissolving and you allow it to continue, um, you know, you maybe not maybe not at a healthy marriage is dope point of your life. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it's funny. It's funny. Sometimes you just do like you said, when when the military says it, but also when God says go, you got to go. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, barefoot kicking and screaming and scared and all that. But but because uh, I, I mean, I would have been nervous. Yeah. We're going to go out here. We don't know nobody. Like, yeah. man, you know, and then Life like you said, so propaganda different. and all that stuff. And, and we got to try to figure out what to do with ourselves. I would have had all kinds of excuses. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it worked out because it actually was a shift for, um, for my, my, my family, not the, not the nucleus that's in my house, but like my parents, my mom had never been on an international flight before that. My dad had only been on an international flight going to, um, um, going to war when he was, um, when he was in the military. So there was this fear of like, my mom was sick leading up to it. Like she would break out in hives. She could, she, her, her, she was just, her spirit was just agitated because she was nervous. Mm-hmm. My parents came over there to visit for Christmas and wanted to come back. And that like, it, it kind of unlocked a, a portion of, um, possibility that was closed off to them because they didn't come from much. Right. Even, even when we went on family vacation, it was once every five years in a car. So mm-hmm. we're driving up the, up and down the East coast. And I'm grateful for it because I know people don't get that. But when you just think in terms of going from that to us having a yacht party for the family in Dubai, and that's not a flex it's extremely cheap there. Um, <laughs> but, but just like being able to think bigger, at their big age, right? Because they, they mm-hmm. were approaching retirement and I can't imagine 30 years from now, not having the experiences that I've had just to now, just to this point mm-hmm. and what life would be like before, you know, for even our generation or especially generations prior, there was no expectation that to go be great in that way. So it worked yeah. out in a number of ways. Um, and I, I kind of accepted that as my, my role in the lineage is that I'm trying it. It might work. Might not, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm trying it. And my wife supports it, which I, I mean, that's, I can't imagine being in a relationship with that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, man, having a good, a good wife is a superpower. 
like right? that because it's it's like a it's like a amplifier to a guitar. Like you could definitely play acoustic strings and you could you could be phenomenal, man. But if you could hook up to an amp, <laughs> like, yep. like it just put that power through an amp, like that the stuff that you already have inside of you is something about a good woman that just like takes that and 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 makes it makes it amazing. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think all of us got to get us one. Right. Like if you if you don't have one already, fellas, and you're listening, you got to find you a good woman, like whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, it's, she may not be she may not be the key to unlock the door. But once that door is open, oh, she putting all yeah. the furniture in like she she will get you set up. Uh, and so it's, it's super necessary, man. Um, all right. So you guys go to Dubai three years. Mm -hmm. You're there. Then you come back stateside. Yep. Um, and then what's what's life like now? You got you have all all the kids at this point now. Yeah, so we we went with five kids. My uh my youngest son was six months when we took the flight, the first flight. So his first flight was the youngest two. Actually, the youngest, all of my kids. Well, the oldest had a flight before, but the the youngest four, their first flight was from uh Washington D.C. to Dubai, <laughs> fourteen hour wow. flight. So um <laughs> we we come back and and that's why the reference is so strong with the younger kids because when we came back most of their life was there, right? Even, mm -hmm. I mean, now it's about half, well, a little bit more, more than half of, of the time spent in the States versus there. But we came back, man, and, and I, we had another life shift, man. We, the process of coming back was so stressful for me. And again, I wasn't using my words. Um, my health was tanking and I didn't know, I knew it, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to know what it was. So I would just kind of deal with it, packing up, life what we've been three years coming back to the states so we're from virginia so we stopped in virginia but my my new assignment was going to be in texas again no family out here not really familiar i've been to the office a few times but it was the stress of getting out of one country and all that entails and setting up life where you don't really know what's going to happen um when you get there so basically i we it, I was so dedicated to the job that um, I, I think I took one, I didn't take a working day off between formally leaving Dubai and getting back to the States. So our, our work week there at the time was Sunday through Thursday, Friday and Saturday, Friday was the holiday Saturday you're off. That was the weekend. I made my flight after work. No, I, I, I take that back. I took the last day of my assignment in Dubai off kind of, I was still kind of checking in the office, but Thursday night going into Friday morning, we flew, we landed in Washington DC at 7 AM on Friday, East coast time. Monday I was at work. It was Virginia. It was remote. I was just on my computer, but that's how one thing that you mentioned when you're so strong and you're doing so much, and then if you stop doing now, they compare that to what you were like, if you, if you rate, that's the, that's the, the dicey thing about raising your standard and people seeing mm -hmm. it because now that's the new bar, <laughs> that's the new measure. And when you stop performing like that now it looks negative, even though you maybe still be doing more, still stronger than other people in your case. But, um, I was just focused on, I got to make sure the work is done. I was assuming way more people. Um, I went from, 30 people to about 80 being responsible. So I had 
the globe was now my responsibility. So all of the, the buyers, the purchasers in the company reported up through me at that point. And there were so many locations that I had never been. So I'm hopping on the plane, hopping within a week of getting back two weeks, getting back. Now I'm going to, going to Florida for this, going to these other sites, shaking hands and, you know, trying to make my rounds and establish my presence in my new role. Finally, I get to Texas before the family and finding a house wasn't all that difficult, but it was my, like I said, my health, I was having health issues. I was, I was, there were signs of things happening and I would just try to, um, I would just try to overpower them or actually drink them away to a large degree. Um, and I had to come home one weekend for a wedding. Actually, my wife came out to look at the house that we, that the first house that we that we lived in, we went back together, uh, because that was a wedding. Uh, one of my good friends, his youngest sister was getting married. My mom saw me and knew I wasn't right. My mom makes a doctor's appointment for me at 30 with 39, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or 38. Wow. She makes the appointment with the family doctor that we had. I didn't even have a doctor anymore. Like I just, I was one of those guys that's, yeah, you know, whatever. You were most guys. You were most, most guys. guys. Most guys. Yeah. Long story less long, I uh, found out I was pre-diabetic. All these symptoms that I thought I had, I was, I was misdiagnosing myself. And the doctor was like, he's like, you were literally on your way to a, um, to a coma. Like, did you drive here? It was that serious. And I like, and there was some signs I was driving around my hometown. I didn't recognize street signs and the areas that I was in. It's like, man, this is, this is wild. This, this should be like this, but that mm-hmm. news kind of arrested my, um, arrested my ignorance and put me in one of those places. Like, man, I, am I going to leave my, am I going to permanently leave my family? And I was doing it voluntarily, but to permanently leave, you know, that that's, Right. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself. It wouldn't be my choice, but like, that's, I couldn't live with that thought as being a reality. So I, I, yeah. I changed a lot, yeah. man, dropped a ton of weight and, um, you know, life, life got better fast. When I started focusing, focusing on my health, I was, again, it's one of those things where you, you realize what, what's important to you. So it's a renewed focus on family. The family came out to Texas, you know, everybody kind of adapted well some growing pains with the kids. Kids have been out of school for a few years. So, you know, getting back into the public school system and things like that. But overall, um, the way that the story has lined up for us to land here, I I couldn't be, I couldn't be more grateful. So I'm not proud of all of the actions or inactions along the way. I'm just thankful for grace that we got an opportunity to, to kind of figure it out day by day at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking down because while, while you were talking, it's something that uh, it's funny how these things work. So I got Facebook memory from a post I made like four years ago. And uh, and when you were talking about, you know, your health and it declining, but you're still pushing through and, and trying to do all the things that you normally do. Right. You have standards right. that you set for yourself and this is who you are and this is what you do. And I'm fine. And you're doing the, the thing that most guys do. You know, I'm OK till I'm not OK. Right. right. <laughs> um, and so. So looking at the post is, uh, if you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. And so it's it's one of those things where like, if I'm not sick, I'm good. I'm good. Like if I don't have an ailment, right. If I don't know that I have an ailment, I'm good. I don't know. That's the key. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm straight. Like, look, I'm, 
you know, I mean, I could still go out and get it like everybody else. But the reality is, is that we're all getting older. You know what I mean? We're all getting older. And, uh, you know, we have to make sure that we're taking care of our of our our, our health. Um, yeah. Because and I say this all the time. I love being a father. I love uh, the life that I get to live. And, and saying that also means that if I love it the way I say I love it, then I want to live it for as long as possible. Absolutely. And if I'm not taking care of my wellness, I allow myself to get ill. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to have it in the way that I have it now. Um, and if it's something serious, I won't be able to have it for very long. Yeah. Um, and so, so hearing you say that, cause I know a lot of guys are just out there and doing, doing the thing, right. You're going out and doing what you got to do to, to make sure that the family is taken care of, but you have to remember that you can't take of take care of the family if you're not there. Can't do it. Right. Like, like a lot of the titles that we give ourselves a protector provider, uh, you can't provide if you, if you can't go to work, right? Like if you're sick and you can't go, you can't provide, right? If you're a protector right. and you're no longer here, well, you can't protect nobody, right? <laughs> like you just, you know, if you're, if you're laid up in the hospital, you're not, you're not a very good protector at that point. So, yeah. you know, all these, these things that we kind of, uh, you know, pat ourselves on the back as being, we have to also understand that there's another side to it. Um, and we have to take care of that part of it, um, you know, to make sure that we are able to do all these other things that we enjoy, right? All these yeah. other things that we take pride in. Um, so I'm glad you said that because I think it's like a really huge thing uh, for for guys that are that are trying to be better, better fathers and better men. I think there's a lot of focus on on some of the more uh, soft skills of it. Uh, you know, communication and emotional intelligence and those things are all really good. Um, but if you aren't taking care of the physical part of yep. it, right. If you aren't physically fit, um, you know, that, that, all, that plays a part in your, your mental, your mental fitness as well. And so there's a whole lot that goes into it. Um, you know, eating well and exercising and all those things, and you may not need to do all of them, but you got to do some of them, right. right? There's some part yep. of it that you're going to have to take advantage of in order to live a fuller fatherful life. Right? Fatherful life. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Okay. So you guys are back. You're officially in, in, in Dallas now. Mm -hmm. That's what is this now? 2018, 2019, 2018. We came back, we came back, uh, March. I want to say March 20th, 2018. Okay. Okay. Something. So, so you're about four years in now at this point. Um, what what I'm a fast forward from 2018 and, and what what prompted you to to start the podcast? Because that's how um, we met. Yeah. Right? Is, is so. So how did you get to that point? Um, so I mentioned earlier that I had a great role model, my father in the house. We didn't necessarily communicate well. So that lack of communication goes dates back generations. And he was old school. Do as I say, you know, stay in a child's place kind of thing. And I was that I was the black sheepish child. Like, why? <laughs> I was the watch. That's why I couldn't be in the military. Like, why? <laughs> Push us. Why? We, why? <laughs> but uh, I, I was that kid. And I decided I didn't like the way he ran his house. And there weren't any like act, big acting out episodes because I probably wouldn't be here <laughs> to have this conversation. But it was like it was more like spite, disdain for the way that um, he ran his house, it was, you know, the, the religion that was the, the, the mandate in the house 
to me was limiting me from doing things I wanted to do. I grew up seventh day at Venice. So sunset Friday to sunset Saturday, there was no activity. So sports, I used to love basketball. My mom's like, well, just play all the other games. I'm like, are you serious? Like, really? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take half of the season off. So, and, and again, very immature. Now I understand why the rules were the rules because they has to be rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, but I just, like, I had this growing, like, disdain or resentment toward them. So we, I didn't seek information from him. We stopped talking if it wasn't about him giving me instruction for a large part. I found out later that's how he grew up with his dad. His dad didn't say, I love you. He didn't, I mean, his dad would talk to him to say, go get something. And my dad wasn't that, that far, but just as a point of reference. Also, he lost his dad when he was 20. So the 20 years, the 15 years before I got there, he also, not 15, 12 years before I got there, he also didn't have a dad. So he's winging it. All these things I didn't appreciate when I was younger. So it got to the point where when I got my license, I'm timing it so that when he's coming home, I'm leaving. Then I'm coming back at curfew, going to sleep. And we like, this was my rhythm. Like I didn't not talking to him was a win for me. And again, it's not like he abused me. I got beat, but you know, that was the way of the world. Um, so to why I started the podcast, my son was coming to that age that I was when I remember being that way. He was 12, 13. And now I'm like, I see myself parenting him the way that I wanted to be left alone, but that's not who he is. So now we got this absence, this lapse in communication for another generation. And it, and it, and it scared me. Um, so the podcast really started, um, got like, uh, God put it on my heart, September, 2020, I put the trailer up, did nothing. September, 2021, I put my first episode up and kind of been rolling, um, ever since, but it really started as a means of keeping me accountable. Cause I knew if I, if I was bold enough to put it out there in public, that this is what I'm working on. Either I have to take it down or I got to work on it and keep talking through how it's getting better or how I need help with it. So it was really, it was really selfish. And then also I wanted my son to see it. Like I want, like I've said it before, I, I want my son to see me grow up because I think that's what we missed as children. We didn't realize that our parents were <laughs> essentially growing up before us. Yeah, right. They're growing they up with us, with us, with us. Exactly. So I knew I didn't have the answer, but I knew that was a mechanism for having these conversations. And like I, I, I say in some of the intros, these are the conversations I want my sons to access as they go through life. Because ultimately I was able to have the conversations with my dad as part of the podcast. It was a necessary thing. And I was like, man, if we did this 30 years ago, oof. <laughs> like what, what, yeah. how would, how would life, how would we be further along as a family and not even in a, in a, in a monetary sense, but just as maturity, um, emotional maturity. So, I mean, that's, that's really what it was. And it started off very, I don't know if you, if you think it's decent now, it started off, (laughs) it started off kind of like, but it's vulnerable, right? Just me. This is where I met. These are some of the thoughts that I've had is a couple of stories that show that I need to grow and it kind of resonated with people. So I had other guests like you, when you graced the platform, we had conversations and now we can share ideas because like, I got guys that I call my brothers, but we weren't necessarily having these heart talks. It's like, ah, oh, man, you get through it. 
nah, forget about her. You know, we, and we, let's go out and numb it kind of thing. And it, it wasn't, I'm not suggesting that we're, we're all remain knuckleheads. We were just, none of us had that to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. surround yourself with people that are where you are in life, you'll typically stay where you are in life. And I knew that I needed some, some more or different information. Um, so I, I, I talked to anybody that has a, I talked to several people that have a perspective on, um, fatherhood because the, the, the cool thing about it is everybody does mm-hmm. because you got here somehow. There's a father somewhere that donated to you being here. Now what happened after you were conceived, that's where the stories started to differ drastically, or maybe even how you conceive the stories. But the point is everybody has a father. Every man is a son born of a woman who also had a father. So at some, at some point we got to figure out, we got to acknowledge that there's a link between all of those in the process and start to have conversations where everybody has access to at least the male perspective. Cause I want my daughters to listen too. like, I, I want my daughters number one, see me grow. I want them to have information from me and other men as they're choosing, uh, you know, who they're going to be with. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just essentially to help at this point. That's why I, I hear to help. That's kind of, it's one of my taglines. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really cool. The, uh, I call it like the fatherhood community, right? It's like, like you said, everybody has a father, whether you know him or not is, is different. Your, yeah. your relationship with him or the lack thereof is different, but everybody has a father. And, and so a lot of times when I'm talking to guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn from their experience, uh, because it, the more the more reference points I have, like the more data points I have, the better I can be in my own fatherhood journey, right? And I think a lot of us too, when we we start talking about fatherhood, and, and more so for for those of us who who have strained relationships or no relationship with our father, we think the fatherhood journey starts with us, right? And, and it doesn't. It, it started with the guy before you. And probably the guy before him. And, and, and usually in some cases, depending on the, the, the family, you might be able to go back three grandfathers and be like, yeah, yeah, my great, great granddad, he was this and that, and he didn't do this and that. And it kind of has passed down. And you yeah. can see how each generation has tried maybe a little bit to be a little bit different um, if they were present. You know what I mean? You can kind of track that. Uh, but I think it's important. And you forced me to do it. You tied my hands behind my back and made me do it. And I had a conversation with my dad and, uh, it was, it was, it was like, I, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't what I expected. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I had formulated as a child in this relationship, all these thoughts of what was going on. Right. I had input from my mom about kind of what was happening. He's my, he didn't really talk about it. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and so I just was kind of filling in the blanks on my own as a, as a, kid right like right. <laughs> with, with no real reference for what's happening um and being able to talk to him about you know about his life his fatherhood relationship uh you know what he thought coming into to me being because i was uh, i was the fifth uh they lost five before four before me wow and so that even having that conversation with him i had never even talked to him. he i've never heard him talk about it before my mom talks about it all the time but I never heard him talk about it before wow. and how he felt going through that, that process of like, 
some inadequacies and, and is this right? You know what I mean? And just kind of trucking yeah. through it and, and the emotions that come along with that and, and wanting to like to quit and like give up and it, I'm never going to have kids kind of, kind of feelings. And then to finally, right. Have a kid and, uh, and like the, the how that kind of changed his perspective on life was, was really cool to hear. Um, so thank you. Right. And I think I told you, thank you before, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but you know, the, I think th those conversations or some version of those conversations are necessary, right. Uh, for us to have to go forward and, and it, and it's not going to be the easiest one, right. Cause our, the generation before us, they don't like to talk. <laughs> true, not, not, true. not about, they don't really like to talk about much at all, but, but the things they like to talk about, they'll talk about. And so you're going to have to pull some strings and kind of, you know, poke a little bit and, and kind mm -hmm. of pull some stuff out of them. But I think once you get them going, uh, you learn a lot about who they are. And in turn, you learn a lot about yourself because you, whether you know it or not growing up, you're, you're mirroring who they are or who they aren't. Or they're not. Yep. And then that, that, that kind of helps dictate who you are. And if you're searching to find who you are, which a lot of us do, right? We're trying to find our place in the world. Who am I? Where do I fit in? What do I exist as? Uh, without that reference point, right? Without that understanding of, okay, like I, I talk like this because he talks like this, right? Or I felt like this, you know, I, I see myself now more as I get older, acting like my dad. And I'm like, dang, I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And and what's crazy because he's changing too, because the way he is with my daughters is not at all like he was with me. Um, but right. But, but, but I am seeing myself and I hear myself say and do things that he does. And I'm like, dang, I wasn't even around you like that. And I'm still, <laughs> you know I mean, I'm still it's picking angry. up stuff from you. It's angry. Um, it's, so, it's, yeah, it's wild. Are... Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting when you, when you talked about the generations and how far it goes back, we realized my dad and I realized that there had never been three generations of, of John's men like the paternal side in one room, at least since 1860 ish. Oh, he wow. had some documents that's showing like date of birth and death. And I'm like, wait, so like this, this guy never met his grandfather. This guy never met his grandfather. I never met my grandfather. And here I am having a conversation with my dad and my sons. Like that, that's not something that I take for granted. And it's not something that I, that I thought about a lot, but it's important because my dad was like, man, you're lucky you got me. You yeah. couldn't have made it with my father. And just to have that perspective of, okay, this was his reference to your point. You start to extend some grace or at least have an appreciation for why they did some of the things you don't understand. Why mm -hmm. they did some of the things you do understand. And again, the big thing with me now is context. Like, cause I was, yeah, I was, I was going say. down that path. Yeah. Going down that path of, here's the discipline. Here's, here's the, here's the negative impact of it. Here's the, you know, here's all of the things that are a result of your action, but I'm never giving you context as to why this is the consequence or why am mm -hmm. I, why do I have to discipline you or what I'm actually thinking about? What were you thinking about? That's a, that's kind of new yeah. <laughs> for, for, for this generation is parents kind of tapping in to see what their kids think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the generation before us was under a, a different and unique pressure uh, and they sure. didn't have time. They didn't have time to explain or at least they would say I ain't got time to explain this to you. Uh, you know, they didn't have 
also the resources. Like it right. wasn't even, it wasn't, it wasn't something that they knew was a thing. Like, I'm going to talk to you about how I feel and why this is happening. And for what? I'm just going to tell you not to do it. You're not going to do it. We're going to be fine. Like, then we can move on to the next thing. Um, but I think that, that emotionally stunted a lot of us, uh, mm. you know, especially, especially those of us that become the next version of them. Right. Cause right. they're kind of starting over with, with a, not a blank slate, but like a bunch of, it's, it's a lot of it's redacted. Like we just, <laughs> it's a bunch of black lines and we're like, ah, we're trying to push it together uh, and trying to figure out how to, how to take this document and now pass it on to our child. But we don't really know what it says. Right. We just know names and dates and, and, you know, don't touch the stove, uh, you know, be in before the street lights. You know, we, we know all those things. We don't know the why behind, behind it. Um, and so that, that's, that's really cool that, you know, you, you were able to be in the room, all three of you. Um, uh, but then also that you're passing along the messages from other fathers, from yourself to your son and being vulnerable enough to do so. Right. Yeah. Because I think, uh, it's like the wizard of Oz, right? Like we can grant all these wishes. We can do all these musical, magical things for our kids, but we don't want to let them behind the curtain. Right. Right. You know, we're like, we're keeping, nice. we, we're keeping ourselves back here and we're the great wizard of Oz and they love us. And they're like, everybody's cheering and dancing when dad is doing stuff. And then, you know, you open up and it's just like some little dude just kind of making magic happen. Right. right. And it's like a little, little wizard inside of all of us that, that has feelings and emotions and we only show them the wizard part. But yep. the reality is, is we're more of that guy behind the curtain than we are the wizard of Oz. Tis true. Tis yeah. true. So, so I got a question, man. I, obviously, fatherhood podcast. You got a fatherhood podcast. You you mm -hmm. got you got a tribe of children, um, and there's no competition. <laughs> there's no there's no competition, guys. You can work <laughs> together. It's fine. It's cool. <laughs> um, what does what does fatherhood what does fatherhood mean to you? Man, fatherhood is um, fatherhood is opportunity. It's opportunity to uh, to impact the world, right? These, these people that are these little humans that are under your tutelage, that are, uh, that whose respect you command, whose, whose life you, uh, you treasure and you, and you try to protect, man, they're, they're the future. Um, mm -hmm. and doing your part to write the world through that next generation, I think is a huge opportunity. So, you know, you know, there's, there's fun dad, there's all these other things, all these other elements of it. But the, I think the best way that I can describe it and, and I'm not objectifying my children by any stretch is it's an amazing opportunity. Some people would say it's an amazing responsibility. It's a, it's, it's a, it's an opportunity to mm -hmm. impact the world, man, to create, to guide some great humans. You know, if, if everybody chose to guide at least one human to be great, Man, that's probably another conversation, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that comes across as corny to some, but it's opportunity. No, that, I think that's spot on, man. I think that's spot on. And, and, and selfishly, uh, you know, I created the podcast for that reason is because like I said, I want to know more about fatherhood for myself so that I could be a better father to my children, but then also podcast wise and putting it out there. Cause I could just interview guys and ask questions and keep it to myself, right. but putting it out there 
was so that maybe someone else can hear one of these stories and, and take some of that knowledge and then go have a great kid themselves and be a great father to a great kid because that kid is going to grow up in the same world as my kid. And so right. if they ever cross paths, <laughs> I want it to be right. another great kid, you know? And so you're talking about changing the future. Yeah. They are literally the future. Like the, the way yeah. that you parent your child and, and they grow up like you, I think it's like a, a two, I think Tupac said, this is like, I may not, I may not change the world, but I have the opportunity to spark the mind of someone that will. And we have that opportunity. Like we, we don't have to put that pressure on our kid, but if we give them the opportunity through, through being a good father, uh, through being a great example, through providing for them the lessons and the tools that, and the resources that maybe we didn't have, then they, they have an opportunity to go do that. Right. Yep. And, 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 and even if it's in a very small sense, right. If they, if they change the world in their community and their household, if they just change the way that things have gone in our, in our family's lifeline, like, it's all worth it. You yep. know, like you, for example, that, that a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, you know, mom, man, I never had three generations. That's huge. I'm right? for granted. Yeah. That's huge because I don't, none of my grandfathers are alive at this point. And so my daughters, they don't know my grandfathers. They never, never met them. Well, they know my step grandfather, but they only got to meet him once. And then he passed away. And so they don't even remember him, you know, they, they know him by name. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I never, I, yeah, never really? met mine. Yeah. I, I had a 15 second conversation with my mom's dad. Um, but I had never seen him and mm -hmm. he literally walked out on my mom, my grandmother and my mom's sister when my mom was like six or seven, somewhere between six and eight. Like I'm going to the store never came back kind of guy. Yeah. So when I had the opportunity to talk to him, I let, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't yeah, good. I yeah. told him he wasn't my grandfather and then he later passed. But uh, my dad says I'm a lot like his father, but I don't, I only know that means that we had similar characteristics. I, I don't, I never had a conversation. With right. Him. Right. You know. Yeah. You didn't get to experience that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And which, which, and I'm going to go back to it again is why that health piece is so important, right. To be around to, I, you know what? I would love to be a great granddad. You know wow. what I mean? And not like great granddad that's in the back room in the bed and I can't get up and, and you know, the kids yeah, come see 50. me, but I'm like, yeah. yeah, not at 50 either. You don't want to be. The no, 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 no. I don't want to be early. I don't want to be an early one either. Yeah. Salute, salute to those that's making it work. But, you know. Right. But yeah, yeah. So I want to be old, old, great granddad. And, you know, it going up a granddad's, great granddad's house. And, you know, and I can just say some like some short really wise like things and they can take those and, and go use them like they're theirs or, yeah. or you know when i'm when i'm gone they'll be like i remember my great granddad used to tell us you know what i mean i want to be revered yeah. in that way yeah. um and the only way for me to do that is one to continue to be a better father right now uh and two to take care of my health so i can be around for as long as i can gotcha um okay two questions kind of a two-part question and, and uh and and really, honestly, I mean, I think you're you're doing it. But but if you were to if you could only make one more episode of the Dear Son podcast and it was just to father, it's just you. There's no guests. It's the last episode, final episode. And every father is going to hear it. What is the message you would want them to hear? Um, 
go bigger because you can. I That's like that. that. That we we've we've stopped ourselves for generations. And there's something uh there's something inspiring, like you said, sparks. Like I, I think that's that's the kind of energy that that um that can't be contained, that can't be consumed completely at any point when you see greatness. You see somebody that's doing something that they love and it inspires you in a way to go do be act in a way that's that's bigger than what you thought you could, man. I would I would tell them go bigger because you can. Yeah, I like that. I like I don't have nothing to add to that, brother. That is it. <laughs> all it, that's all it needs to be right there. Go bigger because you can. Okay. Hey man, so that episode was great. So I'm gonna give you one more episode, right? This is now officially the final episode. Um Yeah, it's the last one, man. So you know you gotta make it memorable. It's gotta be special. This episode though is only gonna be heard by five people. And that's your kids. What do you want them to hear? Ooh. I would want them to hear that all of it is worth it. All of what we've gone through, all of the growth, all of the trials, all of the wins, absolutely no regrets. And I wouldn't want to have done it with any other five plus one plus my wife on this earth. It was worth yeah. it. It was meaningful. No regrets. That's it, man. That's it. Love it. I love it. Love. It. I see. I saw, I should have known that you was going to give me two great ones, right? Like just, <laughs> just two mic drop, two mic drop episodes. Like, Oh man. Like if I heard that episode, yeah, I don't need to listen to another one. That's the one I'm going to go get it done now. Uh, I'm good when I don't have time to think about stuff. If you gave this to me last week, I'd be like, oh, wow, man, I, I appreciate my family. Stumbling about Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate the fact that uh, that you gave us those two. Those are those are solid, solid pieces of advice. And and like I said, throughout the whole episode, you've been you've been dropping stuff for us that's that's valuable. So I know I'm going to take some things from the episode. Uh, you know, I get to, I get the privilege of listening back to it a couple of times before anybody else gets it. Uh, and so I'm going to be using some of this stuff before y'all hear it. So <laughs> it is what it is, uh, <laughs> but, but I know that, uh, that there's some stuff here in this episode that, that other guys are going to be able to use. And that's the purpose. So I want to say thank you, uh, for, for sharing your time with us. If, if guys are trying to reach out to you. Uh, you know, they want to want to listen to the, the podcast or they just want to reach out and say, you know, hey, cat dog, as my grandfather used to say. Uh, <laughs> what? How, how would they go about doing that? Uh, the Dead Sun Podcast on IG and Facebook. The Dead Sun Podcast dot com is the website. Between the three of those, you can find everything. There you go. There you go. Fellas, make sure you guys, you know, go ahead and actually do that, though, right? Like, I know a lot of times you know, we listen to the podcast and we hear that and we'd be like, all right, I'm going to go, <laughs> like, go do it, right? Go follow, go subscribe, go like, go listen. Um, you know, as much information and, and, and as I share, this brother's sharing even more, right? Um, and so go out there and expand your fatherhood spectrum, you know, learn from as many good men as you can. Uh, make sure you're getting as many messages from as many messengers as you, as long as they're good messages from good messengers, right. uh, you know, to continue to, like I said, add to your, your fatherhood toolkit. 
um, you know, because when all you have is a hammer, everything becomes a nail and sometimes a screwdriver would be better. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna let I'll you go, brother. And, and, <laughs> uh, you go, go enjoy, enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the time with your family. Again, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I man, this was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And, uh, I thank you. Likewise, brother. Peace. All right, bro. You just tuned into another episode of the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow me at You Can Call Me Coach on Instagram. Also, follow the podcast at Forfeit Fatherhood, the number four and the letter U on You Can Call Me Coach. Uh, go ahead and flip over to the next episode, man. I know you love this one, so you'll probably love the next one. Excited for you guys to hear it. <laughs>